You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Autophagy, one of those words we remember from the PATH course in med school. Could it be relevant to curing cancer? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom, President and Chief Science Officer of Partnership for Cures, a nonprofit that drives cures to patients through repurposing generic drugs for new uses. And with me is Dr. Jayanta Devneth, Assistant Professor, Department of Pathology, University of California, San Francisco. Dr. Debneth is a member of the UCSF Comprehensive Cancer Center, a Charles E. Culpepper Medical Scholar, and he recently received career development awards from the Howard Hughes Medical Institute and the AACR. Dr. Debneth and I are discussing his cancer research, which focuses on autophagy. Dr. Debneth, welcome to ReachMD. Thanks for having me. Tell us what autophagy is. Autophagy is the process of self-eating. It's exactly what the um, Latin roots sound like. And what it means at the cellular level is that it's a tightly biochemically and genetically regulated process in which a cell literally starts eating little bits and pieces of itself. It turns out that pretty much every cell in the world, whether it be a yeast cell or a plant cell or a human cell, basically is capable of this. And they do so when they are faced with a stress or faced with starvation. So when you remove an amino acid from a cell at its fundamental level, it's lacking it. So it literally starts taking little bits and pieces of its cytoplasm. It engulfs them in a membrane called an autophagosome. And it delivers it to the garbage disposal of the cell called the lysosome. There the material is degraded and recycled um, to make fundamental constituents like the amino acids that that cell was lacking. So how do you think autophagy will be clinically relevant in cancer care and treatment? Well, it turns out like all fundamental biological processes that are involved in cancer, such as a DNA damage response, programmed cell death or apoptosis or proliferation, autophagy is a fundamental controller of cell growth and of cell number as well as of cell survival. And so from a biological standpoint, it seems to be turning out that the genes that regulate autophagy are involved in actually regulating tumor progression as well as response to therapy. So what kind of stress does a cancer cell undergo that would require it to ramp up its autophagy? It turns out that cancer cells face a lot of stresses just when they grow. So cancer cells have high metabolic needs. In fact, most doctors and oncologists image and follow cancer cells by looking for metabolic rates, most notably using uh, fluorogenic compounds that detect glucose. So we all know that cancer cells just are, are metabolically crazy, and they seem to outgrow any nutrition source that they have. So that's one stress. They seem to have high metabolic needs with low relative nutrition, so autophagy can meet those needs. Now, pretty much any solid tumor, such as that in the breast, prostate, or whatever, also has reduced oxygenation levels. And this is despite the fact that they're bathed in a blood supply due to angiogenesis and things like that. They seem to have high levels of hypoxia. Hypoxia is a potent inducer of autophagy. And then, of course, there's all the different things that we do to cancer cells when we treat them. Radiation induces autophagy, and a lot of chemotherapeutic drugs induce autophagy. Are there any drugs that we use in cancer treatment that specifically turn autophagy on rather than cause it to increase because of stress? It seems to be that as we learn more and more about different chemotherapeutic agents, for example, 
the agent that's used in the treatment of breast cancer, tamoxifen, it seems to specifically turn the autophagic process on. There are other ones that are newer agents that are being used in clinical trials, specifically inhibitors of a, a molecule called mTOR and, and drugs that resemble rapamycin seem to turn autophagy on by actually affecting the mTOR molecule itself. On the other hand, I think an important aspect of the question is is that pretty much every chemotherapeutic agent that we know of actually induces the autophagic process as a stress response. And as a result, I think an important issue that has arisen is that I've told you that this is a stress response and potentially a survival response, is that the autophagy that's turned on either purposefully or inadvertently actually a good thing or a bad thing in cancer treatment. And what do we think? Is it a good thing or a bad thing or both? You could actually argue it either way. So the process of autophagy, as I've told you, is a self-eating process. And as it recycles nutrients, and it's fundamentally a mechanism of cell survival. And as a result, you can imagine that when a tumor cell now hit with the chemotherapeutic agent, turns on the autophagic process, it survives better, and it becomes resistant, it acquires new mutations, and so the next go-around, it's harder and harder to treat. On the other hand, autophagy is a catabolic process, so it actually becomes too extensive. The cell literally runs out of things to eat. The cell literally eats itself to death. So you can imagine that turning on the autophagic process actually now slows the cell down, and it actually starts eating away at the cell, and so it ends up actually dying by a non-apoptotic mechanism. So one of the major challenges, and I think one of the really fascinating questions in cancer research, and in particular in cancer chemotherapeutic research, is the autophagic process a good thing or a bad thing? And is that tumor-dependent? Is it context-dependent? Is it drug-dependent? All of these issues need to be worked out before we can actually manipulate autophagy for the clinical treatment of cancer. Well, we know that tamoxifen and rapamycin are two drugs that are very much used for cancer treatment, and you say they turn autophagy on. So what's the mechanism of action that allows those drugs to be successful if they're helping cell survival? They not only turn autophagy on, they turn other things on. So we'll just start with tamoxifen. It's anti-hormonal agent, so it shuts down the estrogen receptor that often is driving the breast tumor cells in a particular patient. The autophagy is, in effect, a secondary effect. And what we all know about patients treated with tamoxifen is that, you know, three to five years later, most of them develop resistance. So the question is, is continued autophagy, you know, due to treatment with tamoxifen contributing to that resistance? Or is it holding the resistance from or, uh, at bay in the sense that if you didn't have an autophagic process, would now resistance to the tamoxifen drug actually end that one year after initiation of treatment rather than five years. With the case of rapamycin, actually, the, the very molecule that it's hitting, which is called mTOR, is actually known to be a primary regulator of autophagy. But one of the things that, from my understanding of the clinical trials with mTOR and, and the, the agents that are hitting mTOR, the rapamycin analogs, that they are at, similar to tamoxifen showing high levels of resistance too. And so... In both of these specific instances, people are wondering whether the resistance that is arising is arising due to the fact that the autophagic process is turned on. You are listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. 
I'm Dr. Bruce Bloom, Chief Operating Officer of Partnership for Cures, and I am speaking with Dr. Jayanta Debnath, Assistant Professor, Department of Pathology at the University of California, San Francisco, about his fascinating cancer research in autophagy. Are there methods to measure autophagy in patients following treatment? So they're just starting to develop. In fact, in my research group, we have just started to follow a particular marker. I'll just give it a name. It's important to the people who study autophagy, but it's a molecule called LC3. And we are actually now developing antibody tests to actually measure the levels of LC3 within tumor tissue. Now, I'm a pathologist, so we are looking at tumor sections. But our hope is that one day that there might actually even be a serum marker due to something that's destroyed by the autophagic process, that we would not have to actually invasively look at a patient's tissue. We could actually just draw a blood sample and tell them that. But at this stage of the game, most of the tumors that we are thinking about treating with autophagy inhibitors or stimulators are solid tumors. Almost all of them require a pathological diagnosis. So if we can use this antibody that we're using on tissue sections, we may have a prognostic biomarker on whether they'll develop resistance fast or slow or or whether they'll develop resistance at all. Are there drugs that turn autophagy off? There are drugs that are thought to turn the autophagic process off, most notably inhibitors of the PI3 kinase pathway. What is known about the autophagic process is that they require these kinases in order to actually be induced and do their business. And so one hypothesis is that you could actually use a PI3 kinase inhibitor and actually turn the process off. Would you think about using it as a part of a cocktail if you were taking tamoxifen and see if having a autophagic inhibitor along with tamoxifen might allow you to use it for a longer period of time? Yeah. So I think in, in our lab, uh, that's kind of one of the paradigms that actually drives our laboratory. Now, one of the problems is with the drugs that are out there right now is that they have really bad off-target effects in the sense that they do a lot of other things. So I have told you that PI3 kinase inhibitors control autophagy, but the, the huge problem is they control a lot of other things, including glucose metabolism, which is fundamental for us to live, including cell proliferation, which may affect, you know, other tissues that are healthy in, in the, within a body. So the real challenge is, is to actually now dissect the bi- autophagic process from a biochemical standpoint and see if you can find specific molecules that you can target within cancer cells to turn off autophagy without turning off much or turning on much of anything else. So when do you think autophagy will really make a difference in the life of a cancer patient or his or her oncologist? It's a great question. I think from the short term, it may have an immediate impact. So if you can actually use it as a prognostic marker, if nothing else, you can now start to stratify patients. And, you know, for example, if someone you expect has a high autophagic profile, for example, you might expect them to develop tamoxifen resistance earlier than later. And since they're second-line agents or, you know, other agents that are act similar to tamoxifen, you may want to put them on from the outset rather than going through a sequence of drugs. So in some ways, you could actually use autophagy or the induction of autophagy prognostically. Now, using autophagy, manipulating it therapeutically, on the other hand, is probably much more long-term for a variety of reasons. One is that we don't know whether autophagy is a good thing or a bad thing for tumors or 
if it's a good thing for certain tumors and a bad thing for other ones. Secondly, we don't have any drugs that specifically turn on autophagy and turn it off. As I've told you, this is a stress response mechanism. So we see it being turned on and off all the time, but we don't know if it's a primary effect or a secondary effect. So the real critical issue is, one, figuring out when autophagy is important to turn on or off, and secondly, to actually develop agents that can actually do that without doing other things that may be deleterious to human health. I want to thank Dr. Jayanta Devneth of UCSF for sharing his research insights with us. I'm Dr. Bruce Bloom, President and Chief Science Officer of Partnership for Cures, a nonprofit that drives cures to patients through repurposing generic drugs for new uses. You have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your emails to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.